Freaks, Kinks, and Geeks is brought to you by two kinky poly babes on a mission to make sure you can be well-informed before diving into all things kink, dating, sex, and non-monogamy. We want to make sure this content can stay free and available for everyone who needs it. And with a little help from our listeners, we can do exactly that. Consider joining our Patreon for a monthly subscription where you can have access to our behind-the-scenes content, or you can make a small donation to our Ko-fi, where you can donate as little as $2 to make a huge difference. We greatly appreciate it. And welcome back to Freaks, Kinks, and Geeks. Oh my! The volume was high on it. <laughs> it was a little. It was the a little. energy was where I needed it to be. I, yeah, mm-hmm, I appreciate yeah. that. I'm mm-hmm. excited about next week. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm also excited. No pressure. In, like a, in a more nervous way, but like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you are here with your host, April. And CJ. And just to recap who we are, I am the polyamorous, kinky, boss babe, dead people talking, kind of freak weirdo, which I own that title and love. Oh, nice. And I think I'm the geeks of freaks, kinks, and geeks. <laughs> just that one part. <laughs> I'm that one part. Honestly, okay, okay. I'm the ampersand, if you will. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I am the poly, nerdy, soft girl of the group, soft dom, future dom. Definitely a dom in progress. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, yeah. I like that you're claiming that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, future dom, key us up. What are we talking about this week? Today is what I feel probably one of the more important episodes we'll ever make, but we are talking about how to start in non-monogamy. Okay, and this is a question I actually get asked quite a bit. I would say probably one of the top questions under non-monogamy at least. This is a question I wish people would ask more. <laughs> right, honestly, because a lot of times I'm getting asked this almost kind of in a hindsight way or once they've already kind of muddled through or mm-hmm. mucked up part of non-monogamy. Yes, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. No judgment, no right. judgment, no, no. but um, usually getting asked when some blunders have already happened <laughs> and they are realizing that things are not going well. Yes, yeah. So I agree. This is a really cool topic. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, I could talk about this for like 10,000 hours. I know. I'm excited to be talking about it. This is actually, we started almost making a book on this very topic here. Yeah. just because inspired this whole project. Yeah. There's so much to speak on. So we're going to try to keep it to like 35, 45 minutes. Yeah. We're, we're watching. We're going to be crazy. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> we're going. We're going deep. We're doing it. Okay. <laughs> Buckle up. I'll say that we did try to at least break it up into three key parts if we were to make it in sections. So we're going to be covering what inner work you should be doing, what couple work you should be doing, the gigantic crossover in both of those, by the way, and then a toolbox of things that should serve you if you're running into any troubles during your experience with non-monogamy. And would you say, I know some people are hearing this couple work, and I know they're probably thinking, hey, I'm solo poly, or I'm solo in this, or I'm single. Um, Do you think this could apply as they bring on new partners or new boyfriend girlfriends or new absolutely possible date you know absolutely 100 percent. and thank you so much for making that distinction with the word because yeah we're definitely not excluding anyone who is solo uh going solo right now solo poly or however but i do think there is a lot of important notes for when you're dating somebody more regularly for the first time in a while or just um swinging with them interacting with them Mm -hmm. yeah yes be it sexual or otherwise would you say playing with yes. them. Yes. You definitely, you definitely could have a BDSM aspect to this too, for sure, since there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, I agree. So let's tackle, I feel like inner work is probably the biggest category Absolutely. that definitely bleeds over into some couple or 
new partner I, let's, work. We could say partner work. Yeah. It's kind of all mm -hmm. encompassing. Yeah. So whenever we say partner work, we just mean if you have someone else that's going to be involved. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to exclude. Perfect. Yeah. So the first point, you know, that we kind of talked about, you brought this up. So I'm going to let you kind of... I did. Thank you so much. Essentially, I at, definitely as somebody who started being when, sorry, definitely as a person who started in a monogamous relationship, this was probably the most important thing that I really wish somebody would have uh, presented to me starting, which was to figure out your why. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, concern that when closed couples are opening their relationships that some people think it might be because the relationship's not working or because there's existing problems in the relationship. So even though that may hurt to hear, especially if you're a person who identifies as like polyamorous in your spirit, um, that that's just how you express your love, it can be hard to hear that it would be criticized like that but at the same time i think it's really important to understand that for yourself is your why because this is your identity and how you want to express your love or maybe is your why really that you're not sexually satisfied in a closed relationship and then maybe that should be worked on separately as opposed to trying to fix that by opening the relationship and do you feel like your why can evolve i absolutely think your why can evolve I think that was such a good observation of that because we're we're fluid as people we're always changing as people mm -hmm. so you don't have to be married to your original why and it would be great to keep checking in with yourself too every okay. six to twelve months even <clears throat> so i will say for me personally when i opened up my monogamous relationship with my partner now jay um my why definitely has evolved and changed and i think a lot of that has to do with my growth as a person and yeah. understanding my needs better now as a person than when I first did that. Yes. Um, and also st understanding non-monogamy better now too, I will say. Yeah, yeah. Understanding Wait, say more the, about that. Uh, um, you know, when I first got into non-monogamy, I had a very limited scope of understanding. Mm -hmm. So all I knew was open. Yeah. And that's Honestly, yeah. kind of all that I had really experienced. <clears throat> so my why at that point was, I just want to be open to experiencing other people. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't think I would need to develop emotions. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would want, like, I had an idea of what I thought mm -hmm. I wanted. Yeah. As that evolved, though, my why has changed. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, being polyamorous, my why now evolves around connection with people, emotional connection if I want that you know, that kind of deep relationship yeah. is available. Do you remember we were listening to a podcast and I can't remember it right now, but it described um, polyamory as a spiritual journey? Yes. And I, I remember, I think I was listening to it and I remember that I like, no, I think that you had recommended it to me and one of the things that was said, I was like, yo, that's it. I think I, I started a little bit similar to you where it was like, I was trying to be, I wanted to believe that like I could, we could do these radical things as a couple that were very like outside of the box and that we were strong enough that we could do them. So it actually started a little bit like that for me, like mm -hmm. validating that that feeling that I had about my relationship was true mm -hmm. and then much more developed into, yeah, no, this is, this is how I want to experience people in my lifetime. You know, like I, I do believe that sometimes when you meet a person, that's a soul that you may have known before or, you know in other lifetimes. So for me, like to be able to connect like that again, like I would never want to close myself off from that sort of thing. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I will say I love um, the ability, whether it's under open, you know, general non-monogamy, however you want to be. I think the ability to make more connections has been awesome. Yes, I agree. So that kind of brings us to, I think 
figuring out what relationship styles work for you mm -hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think there is definitely some crossover to what works for you if you are in a couple or partnership. Mm -hmm. That discussion needs to happen. But I personally am a big advocate of figuring out what you're drawn to individually mm -hmm. and then having that discussion as a partnership. And I only say that because <clears throat> if you are going from closed to open, mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. There's mm -hmm. a lot of pressure there. Um, it can feel very overwhelming. Yeah. It can feel hard to make those decisions in front of a loved one or a yeah. partner. It feels rocky for sure. It feels to rocky. Say that. Yep. So to disagree will feel so dangerous. Yeah, so I, I more ended up finding a lot of my non-monogamy identity, if you will, separately, and then coming mm -hmm. back to my partner and going, hey, you know, I know we talked about being open, but I'm starting to notice that I am having an emotional connection and I'm not upset at it. Mm -hmm, yeah. And it's making me happy and I think maybe it'll make you happy and can we talk about it? Mm -hmm, yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm a big advocate of researching all the different types of relationships. Hey, Google, like Google may have some problems, but Google it up. Google is free also. Google is free. <laughs> More resource in your pocket. <laughs> Hashtag free. Hashtag free. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, I don't know, my like little take on researching. And yeah. I, I would say, you know, an overarching, and maybe an overarching all that we should, that we should mention is that just being open to like things changing. Yeah. The fluid nature of the fluid things. nature of yeah. all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we can even just a little asterisk on all monogamy, like mm -hmm. be open to change. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it going to change. Yeah, no, we have that like multiple times in this yeah. list, I feel like. Sometimes it changes hourly. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> you could learn something in an hour and be like, oh, wait. You're like, oh, I don't like that, never mind. Yeah. JK. <laughs> it's very much like BDSM and kink, too, where I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like that. And I try it, and I'm like, ooh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly. Hello. Hello, exactly. electricity. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so, um, is there anything you want to add on that topic? I feel like I like took that one and ran with it oh no it's fine I mean I just think it's uh it's super important because I think there's a danger of creating a narrative t of what opening a relationship could look like or how to start this could look like and so to do your research and to hear how people are discussing it and what it looks like to actually be talking about it and living in that lifestyle can be so much more comforting and reassuring when moving forward into that so like if anyone out there is like me who hates reading so much <laughs> It's like, it can be daunting because like a lot of the things that people recommend right off the bat is like books. A lot of know, reading. A lot of reading. And you know, we're, we're going to talk about a toolbox, but you know, some of the things that I always recommend to people, there are actually two documentaries that I recommend. Mm -hmm. um, and I can go ahead and throw them out there, but one is called Monogamish mm -hmm. and then one is called The Truth About Marriage. Yes. Those are two great documentaries in my opinion. I don't agree with everything in them. Mm -hmm. No. But... It gives you many different perspectives, especially the truth about marriage. That gives a very interesting perspective on a few different relationship styles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're not a reader, and honestly, even if you are a reader, those are really good to watch in my opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Together as a couple or solo or, or both. I've mm -hmm. actually watched both of those documentaries with my partner, but I've also watched them separately alone. Mm -hmm. And I actually just watched Monogamish again. Um, I think the first time I watched it was about three years ago and just watched it again point. maybe a month ago. Yeah, oh, just for a refresher. Yeah, you know, S see where you have evolved, like yeah. with your own thoughts. See what too. I think about it too now. There were some things that hit a little different now. Mm -hmm. I was like, Aww. oh, don't like that. 
<laughs> right. There were some things that they showed that I was like, oh, no, is that like, is that the end all be all to that? Like, I'll never forget. And I think it was in Monogamish. There's this like, it looked like they were at like a retreat type situation. Mm-hmm. And this one woman was cuddled up to this other woman and like stroking her arm. And she was like, I think you should have an evening with my partner. Like, and was very like, oh, and he would be so whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I remember being like, yo, what? <laughs> it's great. I don't it's know great. if maybe it just wasn't in my language. Cause, and by language, I mean, like, maybe if I was saying it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this guy. He's really great. No, you should, like, he's really funny. You know, hang out with him, you know? Whereas, like, that seemed so, like, I don't want to say Foreign. cult. Yeah. <laughs> but very, like, yeah. I'm not used to that feeling. I'm not used to speaking about a partner that way. And, it, of course, it was very taboo for me growing up, like, mostly monogamous. Entirely monogamous, if oh, you yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, So I'm like, oh, my God, you're soliciting your partner to another person. Like, that was a level of, like, experience that I never even... Yeah. I don't even know if I'm fully there, to be honest. You know, I, um... I've never done it. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet or not. I think that's somewhat situational. Yeah, like having an existing partner and being like, God, you know something? You should take them. You, you, you know who you would be very compatible with? My nesting partner. Good. Yeah, I wish you could see my shock face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but like at your nest? I think, or? I think for the right person with the right energy, I think just because I am so empathic, it is a lot of energy based. So mm-hmm. if I felt yeah. like it was the right person, I could see myself doing that. And in the How same, would you proposition it? Go. Uh, on the spot I'll be like yo I need some alone time can you take him please <laughs> no I don't know I don't know right I don't know work on it someone asked me about it next so like, how much you going Venmo me no <laughs> <laughs> ma'am <laughs> no I'll have to think about that one um you know I know something that I always recommend I know something that you're huge on too and actually we've now gotten a lot of our friends into it and even some of the people we've dated now <laughs> Uh, influential therapy <laughs> we are hella influential We're in therapy yes therapy. therapy is so in our language every day that it's you just have to accept that that's going to happen when you're talking to us yeah like our therapist is probably lucky she's not on speed dial <laughs> our therapist first of all we both see the same therapist yes we do. and she's lucky we don't go there together absolutely we would just be like the on the do, same do, 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 she would probably like get out <laughs> she'd be like i need to record this and i'll just listen to it at a slower speed and Later. give you guys my notes and email but i i think you know all joking aside therapy especially if you're going from open or close to open is crucial yeah. as an individual yeah um i don't even know so much if it's important as a couple i think you can go as a couple but i think individually huge i think yes. unpacking what i see the most is people really struggling in the beginning with fear-based thought processes mm-hmm. and fear-based patterns. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, fear-based reactions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people are used to saying fear-based, but, like, afraid of, like, burning to Like, they're used to common fears, getting hit by a car, mm-hmm. dying in a plane, that kind of thing. Yeah, heights. Yeah, we don't mean that type of fear. We mean fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. um, fear of being alone fear like those types of fears yeah. and a lot of times these fears are deeply ingrained yeah and a lot of them start with very deeply ingrained childhood trauma mm-hmm. i've seen that pattern most I if not all the even, time i mean most of not all the time pretty much i can guarantee everyone listening to this everyone who's ever lived has some version of childhood trauma that affects them today yeah. um so therapy is crucial in my opinion for helping unpack some of that Helping keep your relationship stable, helping mm-hmm. keep you stable. You yeah. need somewhere to vent other than your partner. 
100% you need to be venting to someone who's not just your partner, especially when they're involved in this and their actions can be understood as causing that yeah. reaction in you when it really is just you're touching something that is a trauma that you haven't worked on and that you it would be best served yes. being helped by a therapist. And I can say, even if you are talking to your partner, like me and Jay, um, you know, big on communication. We've tried to be intentional about communication. Mm -hmm. You have to be. But even when I'm trying to talk to him about his fears or vice versa, it just hits different when else when someone else is saying it. Yeah. You know, it's like when your kids go to your friend's house and suddenly they're acting all good, mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, where are these children? <laughs> when are those children? Where, where home? did you go? <laughs> um, I remember specifically I had been saying something to Jay about a fear-based thing, and I feel like I had been saying it ad nauseum. <laughs> I literally wanted to throat punch him. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the therapist, comes home, and he has this like light bulb moment. <laughs> He's like, oh, did you know this, this, and this? And I want to be like, I'm so happy for you in this moment. You're like, am I Bruce Willis in that one movie? <laughs> right? Am I not here? Am I real? <laughs> am I real? Hi, can you, you like reach out to touch him? You're like, oh no, okay, I'm still in the physical? Okay, right. got it. But it, it takes that sometimes hearing it from someone else. Yeah. And as hard as that is sometimes for me, I am glad he at least heard it because that's helped him let some of those fears go. And I think it's great to even mention that just to know that if you are in a relationship and you are the partner who tends to have like more like light bulb moments that you want to share with the people around you, it's like hard to be that person all the time <laughs> because sometimes you will see somebody get it from another person. I'll tell you the worst is when they get it from another partner. Yeah. A metamorph. You're like, oh, really? Wow. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. Hashtag compersion. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I know we've even done it for each other. Like, we will tell each other stuff and be like, yo, hey, about that and the thing. We should talk, and you should think about it. Maybe. And then both of us will come back from Marilyn. I'm going to throw her name out there, not her full name, but That's we'll come therapist. back from therapy <laughs> and we'll be like, oh, hey, we realized this, this, and this. And we just kind of look at each other like, oh, you remember that thing that I told you? Like, um, mm. didn't I? Oh my gosh, actually, we had like a reverse of this dynamic where we were talking uh, together and you had said something to me that I was like, oh my God, my first ever therapist from 2013 tried to tell me that. <laughs> and I'm just now like, when you said it, it made sense. Like now yep. I understand. Yep, I think that was last week. That was last week. I like try, like in my heart and energy, I was like, mm, I, know, I get it now. <laughs> Yeah, like DJ's former message. therapist, I'll send you some money. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. Third party sometime and just to give somewhere else to vent. Yeah. Because you're going to need to vent. Yeah. And that's okay. And it can also be an incredibly emotionally draining for a partner yes. to hear sometimes. So it's kind of like helpful to keep their energy clear as well so they can continue to be there for you in other capacities and other ways. Yep. And that kind of brings us to, I think, the next and I, I heard this point actually in maybe a podcast or a move, a documentary. No, I think it was a podcast. I think it was actually a multi-amory podcast. Nice. It actually was a multi-amory podcast. I'll just them. see if I can find it. Um, she talked about one of the most important things that will dictate the success of someone being non-monogamous successfully mm -hmm. is having a tribe or community. Mm. And up until I heard that podcast, I didn't really have a tribe or community. I was working on it, but I hadn't really made it a priority. Yeah. I heard that and I went, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there now. I'm going to actually 
really tried to do that and that's when I started joining like the local community here mm -hmm. we joined the local um, non-monogamy and inclusion group that we met with before COVID yeah. um, I will say for me building a community around myself a tribe mm -hmm. of people who understand what I'm going through who can yeah. help talk through things who can bounce ideas off has been crucial yeah and validating and validating super validating yes because it's really hard as much as my friends who are monogamous want to help me or understand or be empathetic or sympathetic they just they can't they they don't yeah they will they'll try but they just can't yeah it's just not the same yeah non-monogamy is a lot of unlearning a lot of reparenting and a lot of like entirely new dynamics of thinking like ways yeah. of thinking so it, it's not you know they're doing their best but they haven't like put themselves i mean they haven't considered the things that need to be considered in order to give advice from a non-monogamous position yeah so be it in my opinion that tribe is it doesn't have to be all in person obviously covid has thrown a wrench in a lot of people's day-to-day -day lives yeah. but facebook groups vet yeah. life groups um discord yeah. Um, for any of our listeners that are like into energy, I would say in person does help because you can feel that validation on like a spiritual yeah. level. But yeah, in a bind, absolutely. Facebook groups to have like the picture even. Um, I have gone to Reddit, you know, like I've, I, I frequent the Reddit. Uh, yeah, it's similar to Facebook except less like um, posting their pictures and their bios. You mm -hmm. know, it's more like discussion based a lot. Gotcha. <laughs> From the re one who hates reading. Bam. It's exclusively reading. <laughs> I mean, I'll say I'm ready for in person. Like I, I just reached out. I think you saw in our local I group. Uh, I, I, I reached out. Like that hyping I'm, you. I'm like, when we can meet again, like vaccines, I'm yeah. going to be vaccinated. Yeah. Um, that was, so, we, we only went to one, right? I went to two or three total. I think you went to one I, with me. I went to one. Yeah. And then literally got Life shut changing. down. Yep. <laughs> The next meeting. It was life changing. It was my first in person poly meeting. I fell head over heels for a woman who's there, but that's not the point of the story. <laughs> and um, it was. I don't think we know her name. I. Listen, if you get me like in a moment where I'm being really nostalgic and I'm doing that thing where I'm like hand pressed against the window and like looking out and playing like a, a Titanic sad song, moment. Yeah, and I'm just okay. like trying to remember Jack. Um, I can probably recall her name, but like, no, I could draw her for sure. She was cute. I remember <gasps> that. Like, have you seen this woman? <laughs> Do you know her? <laughs> Do you know her? She was cute. I remember her. I did look through like the members of the Facebook group to see creepy. if she was in there. I know. I'm so sorry. Like, oh, I, I want to, I want to say like I can see how that's creepy. Because then what's my next move? Messaging her? Oh, I would have done the same. Been like, oh. Actually, Hey, I did do the same on your behalf. So like, oh, thank you. That I is like even, a, you're a real one. That's why you're my work wife. And I'm just saying. That's what's up. You know. Um. So yeah, go go build a tribe. I I cannot say how much I promise that is yeah. critical and crucial. I cannot imagine having done this alone for the last. Oh, no. Like, I would no, probably be curled into a ball crying right yeah, now. Yeah, like, just still be crying. Still, yes. Nonstop. <laughs> Actively. Longer than Jada Pinkett Smith cried. <laughs> yes, and that and was that 45 was, days. That was 45 days. <laughs> um, and actually, I didn't even mention that, but that's a great documentary. Uh, the Red Tabletop. Yeah. Her mm -hmm. and Will. Um, they don't necessarily address non-monogamy mm -hmm. per se or specifically, but that one with her and Will, the two-parter in the very beginning, so good. Yes. That's true. There are there are probably a lot of good um, references from people who are not necessarily in the field of non-monogamy, yeah. like Brene Brown, anything by Brene Brown. Oh, Brene Brown, hello. 
I've I've loved uh, Nikki Eisenhower from Emotional Badass mm -hmm. to Esther like, Pearl. Oh, yes. Thank yeah. you. Most, if not all. As a matter of fact, monogamous uh, life. I had seen a monogamous life coach once when I was thinking about opening my relationship who recommended Esther Pearl material oh, nice. to us. Yeah, I was like, her Her TED talk on, mm -hmm. I think it's technically on cheating and that yes. kind of non-monogamy, so good. So good. I just want to say one of the things she said in that one was like, you know, in regards to like cheating relationships where people will ask like, can this be fixed or whatever? And she said, no, your old relationship is dead, but you have an invitation right now for a new relationship. Mm -hmm. And are you going to take that invitation? And that like, yep, that blew my mind. I'm, I'm literally getting chills just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really, I love that one. Yeah. Um... You know, one that, you know, I honestly don't talk about this too much with people. I've, I've brought it up some. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I really struggled with. I know it's something that you and I talked about when you were going open, mm -hmm. is to be open publicly or privately. That is such a good point because we, you know, we just covered joining Facebook groups and things like that. Some of them are private groups, so nobody will be notified that you're in it. But if they are public groups, you know, all your friends on Facebook are going to get notified it. of that stuff. The one thing that I think a lot of people will miss is that um, the simplest act of mating, making a dating profile. Where like you don't realize, especially if you're opening a closed relationship, what you don't realize is that single people walk among you. Yep. And they are on the apps. Including your family. And sometimes your freaking family, which, which is like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're having this moment like, what are you doing here? No, what are you doing here? Yep. <laughs> um, I will say when we went non-monog, at first we did try to stay private. And I think that was just out of, that was a lot of fear-based decision making. Yeah. Um, is my business going to get shut down? Are people going to hate me? Am I going to get dragged? Am I going to get cancel cultured? I mean, yeah. there were so many, like, are my parents going to see, like... It's a lot. It's um, a lot to process all at once. It's a lot to process. You know, now we're publicly, I mean, shoot, literally I'm publicly poly. I am publicly kinky. We have posted this podcast literally everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> like, if I could tattoo it on myself. I know. Right in my forehead. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm public about all of it. Yeah. Um, but that's not an easy place for everyone to get to, and I understand that. Um, a lot of people are afraid of being shamed or judged or their family judging, yeah. and I get that. That is a hard conversation yeah. and can be awkward. Especially if there's a lot of, like, you know, very real, very valid reasons yes. going on in that family dynamic, which you can't be open about, you know. Like, we hear you. We yep. see you. So, you know, having that conversation of are we going to make dating profiles where are there any private ones are there any non-monog specific sites which there are there mm -hmm. are some that are more non-monog friendly there are some that are swinger specific yeah. um there's fet keep in mind though fet while you have to join anyone can join and see photos that's so true. understand that if your face is on there anyone can see it same with the swinger sites same with all these dating sites but yeah. just know that there are some that are more non-monog friendly or non-monog specific yeah Speaking of being open, I am, I'm pretty open about being poly. I'm a little more secretive about my BDSM side, not because I'm ashamed, but because I don't want other BDSM people knowing how little I actually know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be outed that way. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely understand that. Um, I will say as a person who's a little bit more further into the BDSM world, 
I actually do like knowing when someone is not as well versed or is not Oh, as... yeah, no. If anybody ever reaches out to me for, like, playing, I'm like, here's what I've done. I've been slapped, and I think that's mainstream. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, it's technically BDSM, but that's much more of, like, a, that's the gateway drug. Exactly. Like, five years ago, I could be like, I'm in a choking. I'm in a slapping. I'm in a being called a slut. And then, like, now it's just like, yes, so you're into vanilla sex? And I'm like, <laughs> ow. Ouch. No, I mean, and that's, you know, there, that, that also, and we can talk about this in another podcast, but there's definitely a huge movement of, like, everyone trying to be, like, out freaky with each other. Like, mm -hmm. who can out freak each other? Like, I'm so freaky, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. I will take a light bulb and put it in my eyeball <laughs> and turn it on. Like, there's this huge culture right now of, like, how, how deep be the into the freak. electric play rabbit hole have you gone? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that light thing. bulb in eye socket. And I'm the conduit, and when I touch you, the light bulb was mm -hmm. on. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, it's the same with non-monogamy, though. Like, don't feel like you have to out-non-monogamy someone. Yeah. Just because someone's comfortable with polyamory doesn't mean you have to be polyamorous. Oh, yeah. Just because someone's comfortable with swinging, like, for me, swinging ain't my thing. Yeah. It's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. I don't hate on it, I, I, but it's not my thing. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. Um, and it's BDSM, so cuckolding and that type of thing, not really my gig. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. I don't yeah. judge it. It's, you know, NMK, not my kink. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay to say what you are or are not comfortable with. It's okay to say what you are or are not versed in. So mm -hmm. if you are brought something, ask questions. Absolutely. I mean, and what's funny is people love to talk about themselves. Yeah. So they will tell you all about it. Yeah. To the point where you're like closing their lips for them. They're like, shoo, shoo, shoo. <laughs> I have a kink about being quiet. That's so true. <laughs> I actually do like, um, I did post a TikTok saying that like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm so used to being like a submissive brat, but now I'm like obsessed with this idea of being like a femdom, you know? And like um, people would just be casually commenting like, oh my God, me too. Ha ha. And I'm like, ha ha. Oh my God. But like, where did you learn about being a dom? And what did you look up? And what did you Google? And did you go somewhere? Is there a book? Is there a documentary? Is there a there's so little in BDSM. I know. It's really hard. That's why That's why I introduced myself as like, listen, I want to be a femdom. If you know any information, my number is 352. I'm just kidding. And again, like that, you know, much like your journey in non-monogamy, your journey in BDSM will be fluid as well. Yeah. There are some awesome. days I'm feeling more kind of alpha sub for old guard, do not at me. <laughs> do not. Don't at me. Please. Uh, um, but I'm feeling more alpha sub. And then there are moments I'm feeling more bratty. And then, you know, like, it can kind of, it's fluid too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. And just keep keep searching. Fendom, I'm not as versed on. So I'm going to like, don't. I'm going to slide you over somewhere else. <laughs> Please, I'm ready to be slided. Is that a kink? I no, understand. <laughs> Uh, yes, I'm into sliding. I'm into uh. sliding, which is not... <laughs> well, are you the slider or the slidey? <laughs> so, slidey. couple work, partner work, however we want to say that. Yes. So. So, I would say the couple work, and of course, I, you know, really want to say that, like, a lot of this does have crossover. Like, after you've researched what type of non-monogamy works for you, then discuss it with your partner, you know, after you've connected with a therapist, talk about with your partner if that's something that you want to do together as well, in addition to the singular sessions, by the way. Um, and then beyond that, I would say uh, number one is establishing your boundaries with your partner. Um, bound Like, I think we try to dis, 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 what's the one? Discern. Thank you. Between the two of, you know, a boundary versus like a rule, right? Mm -hmm. Like a boundary is whenever you and I have sex, we use protection. A rule is you must use protection with all your other partners, yep. you know? 
So establishing what of those points are important to you. Are you guys going to have any boundaries around dating friends, you know, dating co-workers, uh, dating family? <laughs> that can get offered. I was like, I needed a third. I wanted one so bad. Um, what what would you say are other examples of like boundaries? So like one for us um, surrounds usage of condoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we do have a I don't know if I would call it a rule or a boundary, but we do we each have chosen that we will get STD tested every six months. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I will caveat though this I I feel like boundaries and rules is probably one of the biggest pitfalls I see with newly open couples. Bingo. Their biggest knee-jerk reaction to opening is creating this long old list of boundaries and rules, like the longest list I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I am big on keep boundaries and rules painfully simple. Mm-hmm. Painfully simple because you are only to create pitfalls to stumble over. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'll give an example. So, me and Jay um, had a rule in the beginning, which I did not like, <laughs> but it was we needed to check in by midnight if we went on a date. Mm-hmm. That created such a pitfall. Like, who in the heck is stopping, like, a sexy sesh and be like, oh, I gotta text my partner. Hold on. Hold, yeah, please, hold, hold on, please. Hold on. Take this Time back. Out. Thank you. <laughs> what are you <laughs> taking back? Mind your business. <laughs> So that created like a huge pitfall. Um, that's a prime example of one that was set with maybe some good intention. Mm-hmm. Just not, you, that's really hard that's to execute. Practical that's too. not practical. Yeah. So we've gone from like eight or nine rules and boundaries to three. Oh, what are they? And they are all around sexual health. Oh, good. That's it. Nice. We don't have veto. We don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So I respect that. I respect a cup, um, any sort of arrangement that doesn't have veto power. Yeah, I'm not a big veto power. Pa- be- yeah. Veto power. Veto power. I like veto power. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm big power. on like keep them simple, keep it basic, and adjust as you go. Yes, absolutely. Much easier to start from a few and then move around it's really hard to go from 20 <laughs> down to three yeah that's so that true was painful i would say i i highly encourage not setting yourselves up for failure you know yeah. like i think i think you don't think about it but yeah like a, a timeline that you need to contact a partner is very like not super like imagine it in practice because yeah that's a very real thing that could happen maybe around midnight you're mid-coitus and now you have to be like, oh, sorry, my alarm isn't going off. I need you to take that back, which in my mind, it was the penis. It's <laughs> <laughs> pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to like, no, just like keep yourself hard while I text. Can you hold, please? Can you hold, please? No, hold this. Literally hold that thought and, and your pee-pee. <laughs> and then, yeah, that could totally take you and your partner out of it. You're also at that point with that action establishing, you know, basically a dynamic between you and that person of like yeah by the way and for me and my like hoey ass um i missed just like every single midnight check-in oh you didn't wait for month five before you did the goodnight kiss Mm -mm. so (laughs) yeah that was a huge stumbling block um Mm. there was one that you pointed out on couple work for like detangling yes um, and that one, I like personally, I could talk about for an entire episode because there's so many, there's so many good points in there. But essentially, there was an article that I found um, <laughs> probably closer to me getting a divorce than me opening up, just to, just to say. But anyway, um, it, which was talking about like probably the most skip step whenever you are opening a relationship is like understanding that you need to detangle 
because a lot of the problems that can come up with your anxiety or with uh, issues in like, you know, boundaries not being able to be maintained or whatever, um, is this idea that like, you're, you don't realize how codependent you are and you don't realize how many behaviors you have in place because of the codependency. And so a lot of what is, um, so wait, where am I? I lost my train of thought here. Well, so codependency is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think so many couples are codependent because of cultural teachings. Because we praise it. Because we praise it. Two halves make a whole, two incompletes make a complete. Mm -hmm. You cannot survive without the other one. You Mm -hmm. will be together until you die. You don't throw away something that's broken, you fix it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, kind of where I think you were going with that is like, you know, starting that process of becoming more autonomous yes exactly yes so uh starting the process of seeing yourself as a more independent person um the article even said doing things like take a night out and just go out by yourself and Mm -hmm. and not a date with somebody else you know date yourself date yourself get get comfortable with asking your partner for a date as opposed to assuming that you own their time yep so yeah that sort of like um so you know identifying yourself detangling from your partner I, that was, that's definitely, I think I already said somewhere in this podcast that that was the one thing that I wanted to know before opening, but this is definitely right up there, either at a close number two or actually the number one. Yeah. And I think that detangling and undoing codependency is so hard. Yeah. Um, that is really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. It's really hard for a lot of people. I will say that is, I'm always working towards autonomy. Mm-hmm. So my time Same. is my own. My partner's time is his own. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, I don't assume he owes me any time. Yeah. But that's... that was something we had in common is that we both wanted to get to there. Like yes. I know that there are, I've seen examples on the Facebook groups where people are very happily like, you know, yes, we are codependent in these ways, autonomous in these ways. And this balance works for us. You're not wrong for having codependent tendencies. You know, it just would lend towards a more successful uh, non-monogamous relationship. If you do focus on becoming more of an autonomous partner. Yep. As opposed to, you know, needing to match up dates or needing to make sure if one person has a date, the other person has a date, nobody's like left alone. Literally me and Jay, for some reason, cannot find dates at the same time. (laughs) It's impossible. We repel like magnets. It's impossible. I'm like, oh, you're going to have a relationship now. I'm just going to go be single. Okay, bye. If it happened, (laughs) it would be too good to be true. 100 i would be i would be watching waiting for the other foot to drop i'm like how is this gonna i'd be like oh it's apocalypse cool yeah um so let's hit on because i know we're kind of running out of time and we don't want these people to fall asleep i know let's do a quick uh overview of the toolbox of things to have when you're going through a non-monogamous uh you know opening (laughs) engaging in non-monogamy so i would say for myself um having good communication and having consistent check-ins especially in the beginning yeah so for myself and my partner we decided to have like weekly Mm check-ins so we would have a check-in once a week every sunday nice it could last anywhere from 10 minutes to however long an hour two hours Usually it wasn't that long. Sometimes we needed it. Mm -hmm. But what it did is it kept us from having to stop and talk about every single little thing that came into our brains throughout the week. Yeah. So we knew every Sunday we were going to talk. I could hold on to any concerns or fears or anything like that that I had, knowing that I would talk to him on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those fears and concerns went away. Yeah. 
I got nice. to sit with them and they would go and they would kind of subside. Sometimes they didn't. And then I had something to speak on for Sunday. So I would have something to speak on. He would have something to speak on usually as well. Um, and it just gave us that kind of solace every week, that kind of comfort that we were going to connect and have those moments. Um, and yeah, we would have something good to say. I would try to have one positive thing to say about, you know, you did this and made me feel this way. This thing kind of made me feel a little icky. So positive, negative, um, what yeah, I call kind of a shit sandwich. <laughs> positive, negative in the middle, positive at the end. Um, but that gave us a lot of comfort, especially in the beginning, having that every week. Yeah. I would say the benefit of that also is to be able to control like situations where a feeling is triggered by like, for example, somebody about to go on a date and then suddenly you're having like some kind of reaction, you know, to bring it up right before this person goes out on a date is really like, you know, it's not really putting them in the best position to go and have a good date. It's crappy. Yeah, it's crappy to put that on somebody before they go out, you know. You don't really feel like going out anymore mm -hmm. after that, especially depending on the level of energy you bring to that, like, reaction that you have, yep. you know. If it's a screaming match, if it's something like that, they're definitely not in the right headspace. Mm -hmm. And that that's sabotaging your partner's experience in non-monogamy, I yep. feel, you know. Yep. So, yeah, if you can be like, oh, I have right here I'm having a reaction and then which leads me to this next point we have which is journaling to say like okay I'm kind of having a reaction why don't you sit with that feeling why don't you take it to a journal write it in a memo you know um, try to process it on your on your own first and then yeah I would definitely save that for a check-in to say like oh I was experiencing this when you left you know yeah. like um, so you can determine whether it's something that had to do with your partner's actual behavior or if it was just a reaction to something that you both agreed on and no one's in trouble for doing, you know? Mm -hmm. The worst would be that, you know, your partner is doing what you guys have agreed on after talking about boundaries and seeking, you know, therapy and things like this. And then to have a reaction which sort of negatively enforces what they know they are allowed to be doing. And you're kind of working through that in your journaling? Yeah, yeah. Seeing okay. like, is this a personal thing or is this like something, you know, maybe if you guys had agreed like, yep, you'll give me a heads up when you're going out and then like the partner just leaves silently, you know? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that's a communication thing. Maybe yep. the partner is requesting more autonomy and not, you know, wanting to schedule. And then that's where the boundaries can also change and form again. So what's interesting is I'm not big on journaling. I used to be, not as much anymore. I'm huge. I'm kind of... And I, I take that back. I do journal, but just not in a traditional way, I would say. Mm -hmm. I've got a spiral notebook. Done. <laughs> Composite college rule. It is college rule. College rule is better it, than one rule. Um, I'm big on, like, worst case scenario. Yeah. So if I feel like I'm spiraling or having, like, a thought, I will literally go right down every worst case scenario. Wow, that, sound, that would be torture for my brain. And what's great about it is, for me, once I write it all down, I can let it go. Oh, interesting. Once I write it down, it's real. <laughs> like that's all happening. Once I write it down, I feel like I manifested it. Well, because I feel like a lot of times when I write it down, I can see how absolutely ridiculous it is. Okay. I experience that when I say my worst fear. Okay. Yeah. I do and I do that. that too. Me and Jay have gone back and forth at times with like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And then we will worst fear it out. And then it's like hearing it, you're like, ah, that's, that's, that's Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a little Okay. Dramatic. You're not going to run away to Germany. Fine. <laughs> you're going to get running shoes. And I'm going to be like, what are these for, honey? And you're like, I'm going to Germany. And you're going to run away. And you're like, I knew it. I knew this would I knew those ASICs and I knew you were gone. <laughs> it was the Velcro for me. <laughs> My God, what a interesting choice for your running you know, away shoe. <laughs> if you can't Velcro it, why even do it? I know. 
if there's no Velcro, then it's a no for, you know what? I trash it. Um, I'm, I'm done with it. So I think we've hit a lot of our big things. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you kind of wrap up, if we were to wrap up this episode? Okay. How are we going to wrap it up? Um, biggest points here, understand why you're getting into it. Connect yourself with a community. Connect yourself with a therapist. Do your research and understand that it's a fluid process that'll always be changing. So it's going to feel like things are going wrong, but it's just on the path to going right. And just buggle up. Buckle up, buttercup. It is a it, roller coaster. If anybody tells you this is going to be easy, they're lying to you and they're a bad friend. And you should throw a punch them. You should literally delete them from your no. life. It's not easy. Absolutely not. But I wouldn't change it. Oh, That's so sweet. That's a good one. That's a good one to end on. So I think that'll do it for this week. Yes. We will see you next week. Right here at Freaks, Kinks, and Geeks. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Bye. Bye.